Coming up on this episode of The Courage to Change. You know, our Christmas Eves, with, you know, we always have the big, you know, we'd open our presents because we're all, you know, old and in college. And we'd sit there and we'd have the brandies out and fire going and have all sorts of fun. And I remember us doing that once when Chris was coming out of a rehab. And, you know, I had this image, you know, in my mind of all of us doing the same old thing. And there's Chris sitting amongst us with his mug of coffee. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Courage to Change, a recovery podcast. My name is Ashley Loeblassingame, and I am your host. Today, we have Tom Farley. Tom Farley is a marketing and communications consultant, nonprofit executive, and recovery advocate. He was the founder and president of the Chris Farley Foundation, named for his younger brother, the late actor and comedian who died in 1997 as a result of substance abuse. In 2008, he co-authored the New York Times bestselling book, The Chris Farley Show, a biography which received national media attention and wide critical acclaim. Tom Farley was born in Madison, Wisconsin, and graduated from Georgetown University with a degree in marketing. He's been featured in People Magazine and USA Today and interviewed on Today, Good Morning America, The View, Fox News, Larry King Live, and featured in two CNN special reports on substance abuse. Today, Tom lives in his hometown of Madison, Wisconsin, where he works for Rosecrans, a leading provider of behavioral health services with nationally recognized addiction treatment programs. I had an amazing time interviewing Tom. It was really beautiful to get to hear his story as it relates to his brother, but we really spent a lot of time talking about the relationship that Tom has been able to forge with his brother since his passing, which I thought was incredibly interesting and eye-opening around the work that we can do on relationships that doesn't require the other person to be there, which is paramount to many of our lives where we have to do work on relationships and maybe that person isn't able to participate. So I really enjoyed talking about that. And of course, beautiful memories, some of them very painful and others very light and joyful. And it was just a wonderful conversation about recovery and also what we can do breaking the stigma. Tom is doing so much for that. And I am, I, for one, am so grateful for his work. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did doing it. So without further ado, I give you Tom Farley, episode 126. Let's do this. You're listening to The Courage to Change, a recovery podcast. We're a community of recovering people who have overcome the odds and found the courage to change. Each week, we share stories of recovery from substance abuse, eating disorders, grief and loss, childhood trauma, and other life-changing experiences. Come join us no matter where you are on your recovery journey. Love the hair picture. Okay. It, no, it, uh, a lot of therapy had to go, you know, through the years. Every person's picture of their haircut or whatever hairstyle, it always came with a lot of therapy. I, I've, I've come to understand 
it's a point of great contention for almost everyone with whatever terrible haircut they had. Yeah. No, we, tell we me, tell me about, about this photo. Well, this is the, that's the standard Farley haircut. I mean, we like my mom just like, yeah, just get bangs. You know, that's, that's <laughs> all the instructions that barbers ever got. We just all, bangs. we all had them. And like every picture, you know, we had like, it was just, that was it. And like, especially like when we went to camp in the summertime, yeah, yeah. it was just like, that was the camp haircut. So I was telling you earlier, like, so like by eighth grade, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to high school like this. I'm not doing this. So I spent all summer before between eighth grade and, and high school going to bed every night. I would take my hair and I would slick it over, oh, I would yeah. like, you know, just get it like maybe even put in some uh, Vitalis. Ooh. And then I would take one of my mom's old nylons and I'd stick it over my head and I'd go to sleep every night with my hair, hair trained over. But still, I mean, you meant business. No, uh, I was panicked. Like you know, that was my one shot. It's like it's just new beginnings. So, but even still, like for the rest, and I had like huge hair, you know, big, big, thick, straight hair. So I still it it started to go over and it like, but it would still would fall down. So I just went when I like. I don't know how I, got, I wore a lot of baseball hats in high school. Then in college, I like 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 products started coming out, and I'm like I'm I went deep dive into like you know whatever I could put in my hair. That like let's look at it's still I still you got product. Do yeah, no, you got. Pro- I like Tons. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, but now it's all, now it's all over my chest and back. And... <laughs> That's my dad always says that his hair because my dad had long hair was in a band and like you know whatever cool and he said as I've gotten older the hair is just slid off my head and down onto my body. <laughs> just yeah, covered. yeah. It was really bad. I was at an event a couple of weeks ago and I had some of my books. I was so I, I was like bending over signing some of my books for some people and. And people were taking pictures and they put it on their, you know, Facebook page. Right, right, tag and, you. And I saw, and tag me. So I saw him and there's one where I'm bending down and I'm like, oh, that's the top of my head. There's nothing there. Like, I thought I was doing so well. I thought it was just kind of creeping up. But it's like, no, it's, no, there's, it's not, not good. You need one of those mirrors that they put under the cars to make sure there's no bomb under there. You need one yeah. of those for the top like, of the head. What's going on up there? Like, oh, there's nothing you do about it. My bro- both my brothers have like, they went through like two like of the you know hair transplant things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two- Did it work? They, uh, for Kevin, it does. You know, because they were bald, they were like they oh, were gone. Oh, okay, okay. You know, and and of course, you know, being both actors, they totally rationalized. Like, yeah, uh, this is my is a career. Move. This is a write off. And that too, yeah. yeah so, yeah. but and Johnny, Johnny looked good for a while, and then it's he started losing it that. So oh, no. he, it's an honor. It's a, and then COVID. So COVID, he was doing the, you know, the long kind of going out and then he cuts it. He doesn't, it's, it's just, it's just a constant battle and challenge for all. Yeah. I just would, like our weight. I would, I would feel bad for you, but also the amount of, of physical grooming that, that us women go through. <laughs> I have two daughters. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. The amount of physical issues we have i'm like oh good lord like in high school like the 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 clogged drains that i had to fix oh yeah and every time i like with my, with my oh, yeah. daughters like i'm like they're they're losing like yeah, yeah, yeah. hair faster than i am and in volume more than me and mm-hmm. yet not that you know you wouldn't know but like yeah. 
That's true. We still, we do. It's a little frightening. You learn to, you learn to understand that this isn't like a, a carry situation where it's, you know, like really falling out. So you are one of five and that's, that's a lot of kids. And the, um, and there's four boys. What birth order are you? So we have an older sister, Barbara Ann, her sister is the oldest. And then it was just four boys. I'm the oldest of the boys. And then there was Chris and then Kevin and Johnny. And, um, yeah, we were just, you know, Barb was like the inside, you know, cat. And we were the, you know, feral dogs. We were just always like, go outside, boys. Barbara, yeah, yeah. I, we never saw Barb. She was inside with the parents the whole time. <laughs> and uh, it's amazing. I, I can't, I have a twin four and a half year old boys. So it's, I, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, I can imagine this. You, you do. You're just like, can you guys take this operation that you have, this chaos, this ball of energy? Can you take it? over there. I'm sure it was. And, and so Chris, your brother, Chris Farley was, he was actually a middle child. So he was, you know, oh, the, yeah. yeah, he was, he was a middle child. And I was listening to an interview. I've listened to a bunch of interviews, so I won't ever be able to give credit to the right person, but where they talked about Chris being a ball of energy that like, he literally couldn't sit still and he couldn't and and you and I were talking a minute ago how you know your your brain is moving faster than your mouth can process and is that something that is kind of a feature in your family of just like a ton of energy yes and no because like we can like you know like we can go into like couch you know mm-hmm. like watching comedies like all afternoon long you know we right, can do right, that right. With the, yeah like yeah like when we're like stimulated in some like you know eating you know we're very calm you know for for the most part we're com- competitive eaters but it's it's a calm moment. okay calm competitive watching yeah watching movies watching movies while we're eating is probably our natural state. So, but yeah, but other than that, but because my mom was just like, she had us so programmed. I mean, literally we went from one activity to another. So we were always racing to the next thing. Like, you know, she would get us up at the crack of dawn every summer to first swim practice. And then we'd go to tennis and then we'd go to sailing. And then we'd I mean, And then like when we got old enough, then, then she just like shipped us off to seven week summer camp all summer. Like, yep. see you boys. Yep. Yep. Do you there in, in, in a lot of your history, you fall, you followed very much the, you know, the path as we would call it, the, you know, the, the, um, white collar path in your family. Was that something that you consciously thought about as it related to like, when I grow up, this is what I want to be like. And, and was that something that was supported in your environment? Like, wow. Can you give me that in like, like layman's terms? What did you just say? Sure, like, you, sure. you do a lot of therapy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Maybe that's why I recognized it. So let's see if I can answer that. Yeah. I mean, I, as first of all, I was the oldest, you know, male child. So I had, uh, and I just, you know, you know, our dad was just like this, you know, this cult, like, you know, just bigger than life figure. So I just wanted to be like dad. And, you know, and so I, I, we went to, you know, I went to, you know, dad went to Georgetown. I had to go to, there was no question. I was not going to go to Georgetown and um, dad, we went same summer camp that my dad went to. It was just, all, I just did all that kind of stuff. 
dad wanted to be a lawyer, but he just started raising a family and he went to one year law school and then just got, you know, got married, started raising kids and just went into the family business. So, but I'm like, yeah, he should have done that and I'm going to do it. So I was, was going to be a lawyer. Was the family business? What's that? The family. What we is don't the talk fam- about the family business. Right, 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 right. Garbage um, no. collection. Yeah. Dad, no, it's Wisconsin. It's not as exciting as that. Dad was a, uh, my grandfather started it. It's a, it's a, it was an asphalt company. And so basically he would, um, he was kind of a middleman. He had all these contacts with the county, you know, the state county, you know, highway committees, and he would bid for their summer road paving business. And so he uh, would have, you know, his connections with the oil companies, you know, like, Mm -hmm. uh, standard and arco and and they and and basically he was like he like he had the clients and they had the product so he would just you know take his cut and and deliver it was a great business and it was a summer business so he, you know the rest of the year he was just going around just entertaining and taking wow. people out to lunch and oh god he was good at that and uh yeah but you wanted to be a you wanted to be a lawyer what what kind of lawyer did you want to be or, or are you <laughs> no oh no I took my LSATs and that pretty much was decided that yeah. that wasn't going to happen. Uh, no, it's just, I just like, I didn't, like everything. I like, I got to put work in to do that. Nah, mm. then, mm. then yeah. Change my mind. So yeah, I've done, I marketing was kind of where I said, that's right. That's right. Marketing. And because um, it's a combination of business and it's very creative. And like, mm-hmm. for some reason, like they're trying to like throw us into this, you know, they started with me this like, you're going to be businessmen because all my uncles are these high powered, you know, businessmen. They're all bankers and you're going to do this. And yet there's some some creative. I think it's my mom's side of the family that just this crazy Boston Irish creativity that that, you know, I struggled with. So, I you know, I I found marketing. Chris just went all in and then the rest of them just it's followed. Suit. Followed. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we can, we can, we can, we can do that. You know, I'm sure it was yeah, probably I, like, I was like, that wasn't explained to me. Right. Right. With, you know, I think there's a lot when you grow up with a sibling who has, I know, I know this is the case when you grow up with a sibling who has, uh, you know, alcoholism, when you grow up with a sibling who has work, you know, the squeaky, the squeaky wheel gets the oil kind of deal. And, and I wondered as we stepped into the interview, you know, your, so much of what we talk about in your life has been based on, uh, has been somewhere thread through Chris. And I wondered how you felt about that. Wow. Uh, I'm just, it's interesting. I, you know, I fought it. I've embraced it. And I've tried to like, okay, I'm going to, you know, manage it. And, you know, it wasn't until I really, you know, got into recovery, you know, three years ago that I started to really deal with it, you know? So, you know, I, I, I fought it, I gave into it. Now I'm just like really dealing with it. And it's really interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm for the first time, I'm really uh, kind of answering that question for myself. And, and uh, yeah, cause I, I, I definitely lost myself for many years there trying to figure that out. You know, it's I saw I saw Barack Obama introduce himself as as you know, hi, my name, you know, hi, I'm Michelle Obama's husband, uh, you know, and and I've I've heard um, you know, Dak Shepard talks a lot about, you know, oh, this is Kristen Bell's husband. And when you're 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 introduced or you're you're this person who's not the person, but the per- the other person, you know, the person related to the person. And and I would think that that would really 
mess with identity, you know, that would be really, and then not only are you with that person, but now it's this whole people are grieving for your family member that, you know, you probably are like, you didn't know him, you know, why are you, you know, that's so many emotions that you have to carry that maybe even aren't yours to carry. I could see that being very, very difficult. Did, did, sounds like you struggled with that and you're working on that. Did anyone else in your family struggle with that too at, at the same well, level? Well, it's interesting because my two brothers and my two other brothers, you know, actually decided to go into the business with, uh, you know, in, into the entertainment business. So th- they struggled from a different, uh, and now, and my son is out in LA, you know, in the business too. And, and he's, uh, you know, he's one generation away. So he's got a little easier task, but my two brothers have struggled with that. Like, you know, but I'm an, I want to be an actor. I, uh, you know, I'm the actor. I'm not, you know, Chris Farley's brother. So they, they're, they're combined to one industry, but it's, you know, they, they, one, I think, you know, Kevin's always kind of struggled with that. He, you know, he tells interviewers, you get one question about Chris. I'm like, uh, okay. How's that going? So, and Johnny just kind of, Johnny doesn't look like, you know, yeah, he's, he's, uh, yeah, he doesn't, he's, he's tall and thin, which uh, who knows how that happened. So he doesn't really get the, he just has the name, you know, right. So he doesn't right. really has the, have the looks to go with it. So, but yeah, but there's, there's so many different, like, like aspects of that. Like one of them is, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm I moved back to our hometown in Madison, Wisconsin. And, you know, and I, you know, I, I do a lot of speaking. I'm out mm-hmm. in the public a lot. And I just kind of developed this, like, you know, kind of like, you know, how in a small town, like the local uh, weatherman is like the big, you know, <laughs> celebrity. Right, right. Right, like, right. that's me. I'm the local. It's kind of yeah. like that yeah. kind of celebrity. But everyone. And so now people like a lot of people come up to me. It's like, oh, you know, everyone in town. It's like. Yeah, no, I don't. Everyone knows me. It's a right. big difference. It's right. a big difference. What's that feel like? It's very, it's, yeah. And people think like I've got all the friends in the world and I don't, you know, because uh, it, it's it's forced me into this, like, you know, if I got, if you want me to perform, I will, but then I need to like, I need to retrench and, and recharge and, and I, I just kind of get my alone time. And so, you know, I don't, yeah, that there's so, I don't have, you know. Do you question people's motives for? Oh yeah, I've got friends that I've known all my life that, like, I went to high school with, and best friends that, over the years, like, they, I would meet their friends that they went to college with that would come into town. It's like, you know, hey, this is my buddy. This is Chris Farley's brother. I'm like, really? I've known you. I like, right, right. I've known you so long. Like, that's who I am now. Right. It's it's so you know you move away from that. You tend to like, okay. Your, your circle gets smaller and smaller because yeah. you just don't want to deal with that anymore. You know, right. it's, you know, yeah. And, and yeah. So it's, seems... I mean, I'm, I'm introduced every time. And this is, you know, Chris Farley's brother, every, every, uh, you know, every bio, every, every event, you know, there's everyone's here's our speakers and they name the speakers. And I'm the only one that's like, and, and Tom Farley, Chris Farley's brother. It's like, no one else gets that treatment. Why am I? Right. What would you, how would you introduce yourself if you weren't introduced as Chris Farley's brother? Bill. No, I don't know. Um, uh, I, you know, Tom, for, I, you know, I, I, you know, the, the thing is, you know, my, you know, we've lived in my, so many generations have lived in, in, in Madison and we've 
we've got this we've got this great tradition, great family, great family name, and 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 it's more than just Chris. You know, yeah, I, I yeah. loved being a Farley. You know, because I loved my dad, I loved my uncles. Mm-hmm. They were just, you know, it was just such a. And my grandparents, my you know, aunts, you know, my sister even is, you know, they're all characters. And like that was kind of the that was developed long before Chris came along. Right. So you know, my dad had this knack for just attracting people, and we all got have that, and that comes from my dad. And it's not for nothing, you know, Chris. Chris, uh, you know, like the rest of us, adapted those qualities. They didn't come from him. You know, they came from, you know, generations. So, you know, just, you know, being a Farley was enough, you know. Right, right. How you found your own recovery in the past few years. And you you wrote a book, the Tom, Far- the, the, the Chris, Chris Farley, Farley show, the Chris Farley show. And through all of that, right, you had a lot of time to talk about it, probably analyze it. What was it? that changed that was like, oh, wait, maybe I have a problem it, through when you were talking about your brother and you must have been, you know, look, examining all the things that happened or that went wrong. Right. Well, what what was really interesting, the most interesting was that, you know, if I wrote the book, you know, as a, uh, by, you know, my memory, you know, if it was just me as, yeah. the, as the, you know, um, it would have been a totally different book, mm. you know, like describing what it was like to share a bedroom with Chris, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Uh, I bet you, know, you got this, pranked this within an inch of my, your life. Exactly. And they're, they're great stories. Don't get me wrong. But to like go through every aspect of Chris's life from growing up in Wisconsin to our, 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 our friends at summer camp to, you know, his high school buddies, his college buddies, and then, you know, Chicago, second city, and then, you know, New York, and then finally LA, all these different people from not all entertainment, but just, just people that knew Chris, we interviewed them and got their perspective. And I, as I'm reading, you know, in, and doing these interviews, I'm like, wow, these people really knew Chris better, almost better than I did, you know, and they're all saying the same thing. They didn't have different, you know, relationships. It was all like, yeah, they, they knew Chris. And so I've said, I, I have a better relationship with Chris because of that book and that experience than I ever did when he was alive, you know, since he passed away. So I, I, I'm very thankful for that. That was the, kind of the, the, the start of, of really that, that journey to, you know, coming to terms with Chris as, as, a, as a person coming to terms with Chris as a, as a, as a brother, but also, uh, you know, finding, you know, who I, you know, who I am, you know, and one of the one of the one of the examples of that is you know, like I grew up just thinking that you know Chris was just you know pushing my buttons on purpose. That's what he was out to do. Like, and I was definitely an easy target. I <laughs> give him that. But you know, we we then we would have talks. You know, when he got to New York, I was always I was already in New York working at the you know the big banks. You know, I was you know a Wall Street job and and. You know, I we'd have these talks. I'm like, Jesus, Chris. You know, like I like I told the line. You know, I did everything I was supposed to. I studied. I dressed well. You know, and I'm struggling. And you never, you like would just just goof around the whole time. You always had friends and looking. You're like, you know, you're on national television. And he was just like, and and I just realized that you know the, the beauty of Chris was that in all that you know progression of 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 fame and celebrity is he, he never really was not Chris from Wisconsin. Right. So here was this guy that's known for these characters 
And I was sitting there struggling, trying to play a character. Right. Chris was just being himself. And when I finally realized that that was his message, intentional or not, but it was just like, Tommy, just be yourself. Just, you know, and it took moving back to Wisconsin and a whole series of just really, you know, finding who I am and, and being comfortable with that. And, and, and it, you know, recovery obviously, you know, was the final part of that journey that really, you know, brought it all together. But, but it started with Chris, that kind of message. I keep hearing Chris in my mind saying, just, just be yourself. That's yeah. all people want from you. Right. Right. It's he, in, in all of the interviews about him, that's what people say. It's, it's like, he's, he was inescapably himself, inescapably authentic. It was not, it was whether, you know, when it worked for him, he was, it worked well, but when it wasn't, he was still the same way. It sounded, you know, yeah. like he was, he bothered people with that same thing that also made him very famous. It also was, it just, it was, that was just the way it was. Do you, you know, when I'm, uh, when I'm going through, going back through stuff, uh, you know, different interviews with your family, different interviews with you, Chris, one of the things, and and some of the written interviews, one of the things I came across, I found really interesting and probably because it relates to my own recovery story as it relates to food being my first drug. One of the things that I, um, one of the things that I sort of honed in on, there was a, there's a, an interview by Chris Rock who said that after the chip and the, the, the famous Chippendales uh, skit on SNL that, you know, w- he said something really interesting, which I watched it, you know, and then I read the interview and kind of, you know, analyzing what he said. He said it was just one long fat joke about how Chris didn't get hired because he was fat, but he had the skills and he had the talent, but he didn't get hired. And there was no, so Chris says there was no like comedic genius in it. It was just like, we didn't hire the fat guy. And that Chris after that, Chris Farley, he, Chris Rock said he, something changed in him and almost like, almost like in in what I made up from that was I'm willing to do and be anything for laughs because that's who I am. But the weight, the, 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 the being overweight and the heaviness I have feelings about that I, that I also can't deal with. And that, you know, I almost watched it before I ever read any of that as like, oh, he's so comfortable with himself that he can do that. But what I read and what I what I picked up from from other various things was no, like he this the eating was the you know, the eating was the calm thing. He he was so big and extra that eating was the thing that that made him even killed and connected him with other people when he probably didn't feel like he could connect. Is that, is that any, is there well, any truth? You know, that? it's amazing. You touched on that because, you know, it took me years and, you know, th- that, that observation of rocks was a journey in itself for me mm-hmm. because, you know, he did that. He, 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 he had that in, in the book, you know, he, 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 he said that in the book and oh, I, okay. I read that. Yeah. And I read that. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm going it, it, this is Chris Rock's remembrance and feelings about Chris. Right. I'm going to leave it in there, but he's wrong because oh. we, I've been watching Chris since he was this big right. entertaining aunts and uncles in the middle of, right. uh, you know, at, up at summer camp. We were just talking about that with some buddies of mine yesterday about like how he, you know, that's what the, we, 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 we saw the Genesis where we know exactly where that skit started. Right. We saw it like in, at summer camp when we were in college. And so I'm like, yeah, no, that was Chris just, you know, he, he'd been doing his whole life and that. So, but since that, 
since the book. And I, I've, I've gone back to that so many times and I've come now full circle to, to agree with rock on, on that is like, you know what I do, you, You're absolutely right. Cause then you put the pieces in place. Cause I'm, I'm going through that. You know, I, I you know, when, when you go through a similar journey mm-hmm. for whatever, or, you know, it's like those, those light bulbs go off and you're like, wow. And you saw, that's where he really started to when that realization. I saw two things. I saw all of a sudden this goofy kid become all of a sudden an amazing student of his craft and his mm-hmm. industry. And like, you know, he'd be working on a movie like and, and talking about like these things that I'm like, wait a minute, where did you learn? Like you're you didn't study ever. Like he just like, <laughs> right. He like, no, this is this Leveled is my up. this is my thing. And I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to be a, be as good as I can with it. So he really was, it was all about his craft and his talent and, and marrying his talent to his craft. And so I was like, Oh, wow. Okay. That the, and the other thing was, I also saw that's when the struggles with his addiction really, you know, he, he really, it, 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 you know, uh, if he was in, you know, a, a good play, you know, if that, if that wasn't an issue, I don't think the, you know, the, 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 he could have handled his addiction better, but, you know, be, I think it was that one of the, it was that issue that, that weight thing that, that, and that realization that after all these years is like, no, this isn't me. And, and trying to find out who that is and, and liking that person, like, as I said, everyone in recovery knows this story is like finding who you are and liking that person. I think Chris, you know, it was a hard journey for him because he was constantly surrounded by, you know, when you're on your own, you can do that. You can create that and, you know, and explore that. But when you're constantly being pulled to, to, to do, to, to go against that and, and, you know, yeah. You mean well, to would, like to use and drink and, and no, to or, like, you know, like, you know, he's trying to pull away from that, you know, you know, making my body a, a, a right. bunch of jokes. Right. And he's trying to figure out, I'm trying to come to grips with that and, 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 and like that person. And yet everyone around him was like, you know, yeah, but we want you like, That's um, who you, yeah. will you, will you do that for, you know, 200,000, mm-hmm. 250. And you're like, uh, okay. Okay. Right. You, right. you make that choice and then you feel shitty about it and you, you know, what comes next, you know? Yeah, it was interesting. It reminded me of watching it. It reminds because right from my perspective as a as a just you know part of the the worldwide audience, it looked like I'd actually look like body positivity and and yeah. like from my perspective, it looked like I'm like go you like you know how because I could never do that right. That's that's the first thought, and then it was like oh I totally get this because you could do something like that in your living room with your family, like if you you know make like make fun of yourself or do some sort of, you know, caricature and everybody loves you and is laughing. Right. So we're all laughing together. And then you take that same act and you put it on the national stage and everybody's laughing at you. Right. Everybody it's not, there's no like connection there. And I I could see how that could go from, wait a minute, this was funny because everybody who's laughing, it's like this closer circle. And, and I'm more than this one joke, you know, but, but then you, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So I was thinking about that literally just this, this last weekend. Uh, Cause when it comes on, when I see it come on the TV, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I watched Goonies. 
So Goonies was on. And there's that moment when they're doing that chunk, the truffle yep, shuffle truffle thing. Sh- yep. And everyone's laughing. And that, but the Sean Astin character is like, stop it. Don't, don't, don't make them do that. And I just like that Chippendales, it just like, just came crashing together. I'm like, oh man, I, you know, it just, yeah. All of those thoughts and emotions about Chris was, it, it was right in that just stupid movie that I've seen so many times. And, you know, sometimes I laugh and now I don't laugh as yeah. much anymore. I'm like, oh, that poor kid. And probably that actor has got to deal with that too. Yeah. What was the relationship with food like in your house growing up and as it relates? Cause, cause I know there is a, there's a big culture of food in your family. Yeah. Food is love. Food is love. Mm. Um, now, I mean, that was, you know, we were, we were the, you know, uh, family around the dinner table every night, you know, that was our, okay. that was our kind of uh, language, meeting, you know? Yeah. And so that was where we gathered. And, and my dad would like, he would sit down and we'd, ha- you know, we'd have this, you know, all this food and, but he would like, he would engage all of us. He would like, you know, I, I want, all right, news, like, you know, Tommy, what, what happened today? You know, and, and we'd have to say what, what I did that day that was really exciting or for fun or sad or, and then we, we just go around the table and we were like, shared our day with dad and it was like till we were in high school we would do that and so it was just a real moment but it was like it was the food was you know uh, center you know of all of it and um and you know my dad had a huge i mean you know 600 pounds when he died which is on you know just he came most people can't even conceptualize what that even is like it's you know so you know, and and here's like a really interesting thing is, um, you know, dad had his demons, you know, and and he was getting bigger all the time. And but we loved him. And he always like, he, you know, he was just just, you know, he, he always had a, you know, blue blazer on and tie. He looked just sharp all the time. But, you know, Taylor May, you know, it was <laughs> not off the rack. So, um, but, you know, like he'd come in with a new blazer and like, oh, dad looks great. And, oh, you know, we were right. all like, yeah, dad, you look great. We thought dad was the best dressed person in town. And he, and he was, but he was also huge. And so, I don't know, I think all of us deep down kind of like, there's something, there's the elf, there's there's something wrong here. Like dad's not healthy. Right. So like, when somebody tells us we look good or we're funny or, you know, we have a tough time believing that I think in our family because of that, I think like, yeah, okay. You know? And so, and, and that's how we feel about ourselves. It's like, it's this false level of, because we, that's what we did with dad. We just loved him so much that we said, Oh, you, you look, you look great. And right. And in your head, you didn't, in your head, were you able to see that there was a, a significant health problem? Yeah. I mean, you were, when you said you look great in your head, were you thinking, Oh my goodness. You know? Yeah, we were like, yeah, he doesn't look like other dads, you know, and we were just totally rationalized, you know, you know, dad wasn't out there, you know, throwing the football with us because he could, you know, he just, you know, so, but because dad was a businessman, he was busy, we would totally rationalize everything, you know, but it would all came down to was, was uh, weight, I, I mean, to the point where all my brothers and I and, and, and Chris, when he's alive, I mean, we, there's not a day goes by, we don't think about our weight. Mm. Mm-hmm. And we we uh, we have nightmares yeah. of being that big, and yet we're not healthy, so we're not. You know, there's nothing. I, I don't know. It's uh, there's something really 
really, you know, deep there, but you know, I've got, I've got my alcohol issues to deal with. I'll get to that later. I don't yeah. Know. Well, let me just it, tell you, they they'll they're coming for you. That's like, yeah. That's, no, I I literally had a. I was in the doctor's last week, just telling us that same story. Like I, I, you know, so yeah, I'm I'm starting to work on it. I I tried to over COVID like walk and just get out. I'm yeah. like, ah, this is horrible. Stay tuned to hear more in just a moment. Hi, it's Ashley Joe, producer of The Courage to Change, and I wanted to chime in and let you know about our new mobile app, Lion Rock Life. It is now available for download on your phone or tablet from the App Store or the Google Play Store. So here's the download on the app. The app is designed to streamline your online recovery experience, allowing you to view live meetings in progress, join meetings quickly, and build stronger connections in recovery. So whether you're newly sober, have many years in recovery, or you're in recovery for something other than drugs or alcohol, the Lion Rock Life mobile app has a space for you. On the app, you'll find alternative recovery meetings, and traditional meeting offerings. We have everything from recovery fellowship to community workshops, LGBTQIA+, women's meetings, men's meetings, 12-step meetings, and more. With over 75 meetings on our weekly schedule, you'll find a meeting that meets your individual needs. And with the app, you can personalize your recovery experience join with privacy in mind, and recover with the support of an incredible community. Join us and find inspiration for a lifetime of recovery by downloading the Lion Rock Life mobile app today. If you have questions or need help, simply visit lionrock.life slash mobile dash app. Thanks. It's interesting. I got sober. uh, I'll be 16 years sober in January. And so I got sober pretty young and uh, my eating issues, uh, compulsive overeating issues and binge eating, I I could manage them for a long time and in my sobriety and, and I found, and then eventually I sober long enough that that stopped working and, you know, age and kids and all the things. And uh, it's just interesting how I, I have had to come back and go, you know, alcohol is just not the main thing in my brain anymore. And I really have to pay attention to this other thing. And the way that it manifests is so eerily similar to how my alcoholism was that, you know, sometimes it just wigs me out, but I, I thought to myself, and this is, so I'm a teenage girl, I'm, you know, drugs and alcohol. And I think, to, and uh, I'm sorry, I'm a teenage girl. I think t- I'm using food to cope. And then I find drugs and alcohol and I'm like, oh, this is way easier. You don't gain weight. You don't, you know, this is much more socially acceptable, blah, blah, blah. I would think that that, that moment that we're talking about with Chris Rock, with Chris, where it, the joke is now on him. And you talk about how the movement to the, the, the addiction struggles, Maybe it was easier to turn to drugs and alcohol, yeah, you know, than it was to, especially in Hollywood, because I mean, in Hollywood, I can't even imagine all the things, and and so we, what we find is what happened with your brother, and what's interesting, your recovery story is what we find is two people from the same place, and these, you know, 
pretty different journeys, but one with what it looks like when you magnify alcoholism and addiction, just addiction ism, right? You in with Chris, the world magnified it, right? He, who, who, who possibly can be in that level of addiction and, you know, try to come out or there was something where people literally at a restaurant offering him drugs, offering, you know, <laughs> he's trying to be sober. I'm like, I would never make it. And, you know, we are, the whole family is, you know, we are, I don't know where this came from, but we are, we are pleasers. Right. You know, we, we, everything like, you know, we just don't want it to upset people. We want to people, you know, want people to be happy around us. So when they like, you know, like, you know, and, and, you know, and they give us it's a, a drink or something yeah. like that. We're like, you know, I'm not going to offend you by saying no. Right. And, you know, a, you know, people love buying celebrities, you know, a drink. And so Chris was definitely caught up in that. He just didn't want to, didn't want to hurt people's feelings. He didn't want to you know, reject people. These are my, you know, he would, you know, he would rationalize some of these are my, these are my fans. I got to, you know, they, they, they pay my you know salary and I got to do this. And I got to, I got to do everything I can for them. And I'm like, I had so many, like so many try, tries like, no, these are not your friends. The, especially the ones giving you drugs. Right. You know, they're not bad. It's like, yeah, yeah, they are, dude. Yeah, they are. He tried to look for the good in everybody and it just to his detriment. Yeah. You guys did an intervention once and then drank at the intervention. Am I getting that story right? <laughs> yeah. Well, a couple of times. Yeah, we've tried. I mean, it, you know, and, and I you, talked a lot. Drinking in the intervention. It was bad. We were up north. <laughs> we had a bad night. And dad goes, well, we're going to talk about this problem here. Right, and, you right. know. And I was up there. I, I just, you know, my brain, my, my wife of like, you know, months. So like, oh, my first vacation with the Farleys. <laughs> it was, and she was aghast. You know, she was from New York and, you know, not a, a, little, a big drinking Irish family, but nothing like Wisconsin drinking. Right, I right. mean, this was like, and northern North, North, you know, the North Woods of Wisconsin. So we were up there and yeah, and we just, yeah, it was, it was bad. And Chris, Chris always, you know, took it to the extreme. So he was, you know, so we said the next morning, all right, we're going to wake up and we're going to over dinner and like, uh, I'll send the dinner, like all the scotch, you know, yeah, what do you, it just went around the room. And I just kind of like, you know what, this is, cr-. that was the first time I remember, I like, I'll have a soda because this is, nuts and because I, I was i had my like wife here i'm like i you know although i did want scotch but i'm like yeah this is and we were talking afterwards like this was the first inkling that something's amiss in the farley family and then you know and then the first time and then i when chris got up to new york and i was there and you know there was a couple you know his first year he struggled and he his his um a bunch of his high school friends came into town to see the show and they said, uh, you know, I hear Chris is struggling. They're like, yeah, he is. You know, maybe we should talk to him. So like, uh, where should we, uh, where do we want? Let's have lunch. Where do we want to meet? It's like, I, you know, I kind of, I love PJ Clark's let's go to Clark's. So we we're at a bar doing this like intervention. Right. We're like, you know, beers all around. Like, yeah. 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 I just wasn't gonna, what did you think about addiction? Like this is you obviously when, when, you started to deal with this topic. Did you have any preconceived notions about what addiction is? No, I, I started out just wanting to tell, you know, a story, you know, I started out in prevention, you know, I was going into schools, don't do the thing. And I, I had a, you know, when I started the, the Chris Ross foundation, my, my whole, 
you know, I, I like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know anything about this stuff. So I know marketing. So I know I can build a nice, you know, website and everything. So I looked at my brothers, all three of them that went into, into Second City and improv. And I'm like, all right, how do they, I need to connect with an audience, a young audience. How do they, how do my brothers do it? Well, they use humor. It's like, okay, I'm going to talk about drugs and alcohol and maybe that's, but they did it with improv. And I'm like, okay, what's this improv thing? And I started taking classes and learning that it's about communicating and how to, how to, how to create an ensemble. I'm like, that's it. Instead of giving them this information and knowledge about drugs and alcohol, give them a tool to use it. So I started doing that. Uh, for years. And and I started learning about, and then I started like, I was in schools kind of learning what they're dealing with, you know, because before my exposure was just my family. I didn't know this was like some, you know, right. National crisis. Thing. So, you know, I did that for a long time. And then, then a friend of mine invited me to a, like a, a it was a teen recovery group. She goes, Oh, can you talk to, um, uh, talk to this group? And I'm like, Okay, I used you to prevention, but I'll, and I, and I walked in, I remember seeing like, it was a teen, you know, they're just out of treatment. So it was like, all these kids, like, so they, they had, you had, you know, all genders, you had, you know, pe- you know, people from every high school, like four different high schools, and every different grade. And they're all in the circle. And, you know, I watched a couple groups, and they're like, okay, now share. I'm like, these teens aren't going to share. I go, like, what are you talking about? Like a freshman's going to talk to a senior about, yeah. So I'm like, let me do this. Let me go in and just do a little, some improv games and drills and, and start to build the ensemble. Let's start to build trust. Let's start to build this group. And I would do that a couple of times for like, you know, half hour, 45 minutes and just kind of break down the barriers and then I would just leave the room. It's like, now you can ask them to share. Now, now they're ready. And I started this kind of, I, I, you know, just really kind of that, that kind of slow meandering journey into, you know, what, it, it, you know, it's not just about sobriety, you know, it's yeah. what's behind, behind that. And so it was interesting. And then, of course, you know, my, as I said, for, for 20 years, I was talking about somebody else's addiction and I was effective doing it. You know, we're talking about Chris's struggles and and successes and and things like that and messages. But uh, in the last couple of years, when I started to put in, you know, my story, you know, it was like not only did it, was it, uh, you know, life changing for me, but even the people I've talked to, the audiences are like, wow, like now it's authentic. You know, now we want to hear now that that's I want to hear your story. I, yeah, guy, guy, I, I understand, Chris. You know, I yeah, but talk to me about what you and and the crowds are getting. You know, they're younger. They probably they weren't. You know, people probably. You know, you probably have people who don't know who Chris Foley is at you know at certain ages. And I correct that quickly, but you're yes. right. <laughs> but you, um, you know, you you have a, a very powerful story, and I think I think that the power is in that one piece to me that speaks volumes is you can be going, you can be doing prevention. You can have watched it with your brother. You can, you can, you can talk about it. You can, you know, all the things, right. And still miss your own stuff. That's remarkable, right? Because that to me is just the most telling thing about addiction yeah. of how and during that whole is. time like so i had like i had three kids you know i was married so i was you know trying to maintain mm-hmm. a real job you know but i was going on speaking and 
there were like stretches. I, I would just get tired of like the same old, like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want my kids growing up like I did. So I would be able to put together, you know, four, maybe five years of sobriety. I, I would have these okay. stretches. I wouldn't drink. And but you didn't and call you, it sobriety. It was just like, I'm not going to drink anymore. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't drink. I don't yeah. drink. And so I would have five years and then, you know, but yet, I was still causing train wrecks everywhere I went and I, you know, had relationship issues and got, got divorced and, you know, job issues. And I'm like, but I'm not drinking. Like what's right. going on here. And then like this three years ago, I'm like, again, I'm like, okay, this isn't something's, you know, I'm going to stop again. And it was interesting. I was one of the, one of my favorite stories is I went back to this woman who I was doing these improv tr- things with years ago I kind of met it with, you know, I hooked up with her at, um, uh, caught her and I said, Oh, Hey, it's, I haven't had a drink in four months. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm back and I'm back on the team. And she says, Oh, that's great. You know, I'd love to, I'd love to, um, connect with you. We, we haven't seen you in years. Let's, let, let's grab a coffee. And it's like, I'd love to get a coffee that, you know, I, you know, think the world is woman. And she goes, all right, great. Well, why don't you meet me uh, Saturday morning, nine o'clock in the basement of the Presbyterian church? So I'm like, oh, you are good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to, if that's what it does, does to have coffee with you, I'll do it. And I walked into the room and, and I had done, you know, meetings before. And I'm like, eh, I'm not like, cause I was just sober. I was like looking at them as, you know, the barometer was their drinking, you know, right. like, I do, I'm not that, that bad, right, you know, right. that was my measurement. And all of a sudden after four years, four months of, of, of sobriety uh, and the clarity that gave me and trusting this woman, I walked in and whole different, you know, yeah. em, I, I embraced it just, and it was at the right time. It was just, you know, I, you know, I was ready and, ah, man, I was like, it's it's funny now to talk about my bouts of 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 sobriety before because it's like you know that's just that's just giving you the clarity now you got to now the the heavy lifting comes and like and working on that and seeing the changes has been amazing and just having people real you know notice of that it's my kids particularly it's pretty cool yeah i think there's a really great point there which has to do with you know, I, I say this actually, um, a well as well about, you know, medication, antidepressants, this kind of thing is like the, the sobriety or the medication, it gets you to the work, like the starting line, it gets you to zero. And then you have to do the work. The problem that people struggle with, with depression, or when we're using is we're not at zero. We can't, we, other people are at the starting line and we're like, why can't we compete? Cause we're not at the starting line. We can't even get there. So these tools, sobriety, Medicaid, you know, whatever it is for, for you, they get you to this, this, the starting line and then you do the work. And that's, that's the part, you know, cause for so long, you think the goal is just, let's just get this stuff out of my body and then it'll be okay. And the thing is, we have to go back to why did we put the stuff in our body in excess? Why did we, why are we self-harming? Yeah. And so, I, I, and, and that's, what's the cool thing about, cause I'm, I'm learning all this really, really just wild stuff and really kind of just dig. I'm just like, Oh man, I'm just, just digging up stuff all the time. And I'm, but it's just fun to deal with it. I'll tell you the story I was doing, uh, you know, so, and one of the last things I did, you know, during COVID, I'm like, yeah, I did a lot of podcasts talking about like, you know, what's coming, you know, this, a lot of people are leaving, 
you know, this pandemic with behaviors they didn't have going in. So we got to be prepared for it. And I said, I stopped talking about it. And so I went out and I started and now I work for a, a treatment center and it's, you know, you know, yeah. now it's everything. Now it's like, this is my life and it's great. So I was on, you know, a retreat for our alumni at, I work at Rosecrans in, in Illinois. And we had the retreat for all the people that had been at our treatment center. And I was one of the last speakers, you know, that's like, you know, get the, you know, see us, mm-hmm. look, look what we had to finish up. But all these, you know, all these clinicians were in there. One per- person was, uh, was talking about trauma. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm like, ah, I don't Trauma is something bad, right? Something mm-hmm. that happened to you or like your life's right. going this way. And then like, trauma, you know, and when it happens. Yeah. And I'm listening to her. No, like everyone's got trauma and it looks differently. And I'm, I'm just kind of listening at this, you know, like day long retreat. And I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. And I had to talk about it. I'm like, I'm going to go back to that first speaker that's talking about trauma. And I just need to tell you about, if I'm going to tell my story, this is something new. I just discovered now. It's like, just like right back there. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know what trauma was in my family? Trauma was in my family. And I'm just, I'm like, I'm just going to talk about this for the first time. Like I'm at a meeting. So trauma in my family. And I'm talking to these people like, is that we had literally one emotional bullet in our gun. Can you, can you guess what that would, might be? Humor. Yep. And we, if somebody was in pain, we laughed. If somebody was stressed out, we laughed. If somebody was, you know, sad, we laughed. Somebody was happy, we really laughed. It, it, that was it, you know. And we never developed anything in, you know, the, the only other motion we developed was when, when that tactic didn't work, when somebody still was sad, then we got angry. You know, mm. it was like, <laughs> naturally, I would just like, you know. <laughs> I'm well, if sad. I can't make you well, laugh. Like, and then not, now, now you've made me mad. And the, the person like going through this, like, wow. Like it just was, it, it, yeah. Did they talk about big T, little T with trauma? No, I don't listen. No, no. Why? What is it? I don't know what. Okay. It's, it's not bad. It's not bad. You're good. So trauma, the, the, it, basically you have trauma where it's like, a car accident it's yeah. an event where you 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 know it's trauma because it announces itself and it's there and then you have little t and little t big t you know big trauma little t is the trauma that you don't realize was a trauma or that felt traumatic but seemed like yeah but i should be able to handle that or that's not that big of a deal why am i so affected you know, it's funny is like because all three of my brothers and now my son went into the field of comedy. So like how bad is no like you know, that's I mean, good, right? Yeah, you know, right, it's not right. trauma. It's created a whole industry for <laughs> it's your not family. Trauma, like, it's you a know. career. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So no. And so it's kind of interesting. So you know, and I was, you know, the parent, you know, growing, you know, with my kids were little, I was, you know, the I would tease them and I would, you know, have the com you know, the comments to, you know, kind of get, you know, because my you know, my ex-wife was, you know, she was the stressed out one and neurotic. And I was like, so I had to like, you know, balance that out. And it was like, this isn't the way, this isn't how you do it. So yeah, it's kind of neat to, like, you know, to identify that. And, 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 and again, you know, I don't know if I would have identified it for one, and I certainly wouldn't know how to have worked with that if it wasn't for recovery. When, when I started to incorporate words like acceptance and gratitude and grace, all new terms for me. Like, 
I've been in recovery three years and we're talking, we talk about gratitude all the time. And I'm like, I struggle with that. And people are like, why? Like, aren't you grateful that you're sober? Like, yeah, I got that one. I talk about that. <laughs> yep. That's an easy one. one. But all the other stuff, like that's right. new territories for me. Like, you know, like looking like deeply into my you know environments and my world and life for things that I'm grateful for is like, that's, you know, that's new. And, and, and for a long time, that was like, you know, touching a flame, you know, finger to the flame. And it's like, uh, we don't go there. You know, we're Irish. We bury that stuff. So right, right. to start to work on that and uncover that and explore that has been, you know, uh, wonderful too. Now that you have the perspective and are in recovery, when you look back, I guess it's sort of a two-pronged question, which would you have done anything differently with, you know, now that you have the knowledge that you do and, or do you think that anything could have helped him? Oh, Chris? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I think one of the first things I I think about all the time was when Chris was, uh, you know, we all had our issues. That's why our interventions were not really good because we were trying to. <laughs> Your uh, interventions we were, sound amazing. We were trying to protect. I know, but we we're all trying to protect our own. Like you know, let's <laughs> totally. not. We're talking about Chris here. Yeah, yeah, this let's is not. Have, let's leave me out of it, okay? <laughs> um, even though I was, you know, you found me on the floor next to him. Right, you know, right, that. right, exactly. So. I remember when he started really, you know, working his recovery and, you know, our Christmas Eve's with, you know, we always have the big, you know, we'd open our presents because we're all, you know, old and in college and we'd sit there and we'd have the brandies out and fire going and have all sorts of fun. And I remember us doing that once when Chris was coming out of a rehab and, you know, I have this image, you know, in my mind of all of us doing the same old thing. And there's Chris sitting amongst us with his mug of coffee, you know, and because that was his problem, not ours, you know, right. and I, I, that's one thing I would have. And I tell people all the time, it's like, you know, this isn't, this is, you know, this is an lowest common denominator. You know, if, if you, if you can't help this person, if you can't like be on that journey with that person just for a little bit, you know, yeah. If you can't adjust yourself a little bit with that person around, then, then, then you've got to let them, then you got to separate, you know, you've got to, you got to be, you know, you got to, then it's, I don't know. It's, it, it, that was, it's just, that's tough. And I think a lot of families go through that is, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not all of us, but it is. Yeah, it is. So I think I would have, I would have liked to have understood not just Chris's addictions. And, you know, at that point it was, you know, we, everything was in terms of alcoholism because we were, right, you know, right. we're Irish. We didn't even think the, the concept of Chris taking drugs was like, so, but then also, you know, how, you know, what's my role? How do I play? And like, you know, how do I, you know, is it so bad to help Chris in his journey? If I've got a, you know, being a better, you know, if I go with him, like, what, how's that harming me? You know, what am I giving up by joining him? You know, it's like, if you really care for that person. So I, we had, we had these moments as I did with my father, just before he died, he, he stopped drinking. And we, there was just, you know, although he was just crushed and saddened by, by Chris's death, he was, he was sober and it was, that was wonderful. I, I, you know, I cherish that, you know, even a sad, but sober dad was better than, you know, the, you know, false, happy, you know, mm. unhealthy dad. So 
Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, those, those moments, they didn't come along, you know, they didn't last long enough and they didn't, you know, they didn't come up enough and we didn't, but we didn't realize until they were gone. So I, I just, I wish we were more attuned to, you know, cause they, they, sometimes it, it, you know, you got to hop in. It's just, it comes and it goes so quickly that you have to really uh, be aware and, and be ready to help that person out and help and, 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 and maybe take a journey yourself. I think a, a lot, a big piece of it is that the lack of education with the family and, you know, the family is like, you go, you, the person goes to treatment and gets their treatment, but part of their treatment is might be providing education to the people around them. Like that might, that's a very valuable part of the journey if, if it's available. And so I think that's something we're. Well, you know, it's really interesting when you look at it, it's like, there's five of us in our family, five kids and, and, and a mom and dad. And, oh my God, like, we like to joke that like, you know, like Johnny's got a joke. It's like you know, that we were kind of like, you know, Russian dolls. We all like fit <laughs> into each other. We're all the same, but we weren't at all. We were all different. We all had different, you know, desires, thoughts, mm. dreams, you know, uh, likes, dislikes. You know, we, we were very different. And I think that, you know, as we were trying to create this, this this family, you know, we had we had to connect, and the only we, right. the only thing that made us equal was was alcohol, and that's 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 what we use to and 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 to 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 assimilate and fit in, and and then you learn that in a family, and then you step out into the in into the real world, and you do the same thing. It's like the only way I can make friends, the only way I can mm-hmm. socialize, the only way mm-hmm. I can do this is the way I learned to deal with my family. Instead yeah. of dealing with the differences and the, you know, the, as they say in, in, um, in improv, you know, a true ensemble is, is, is great because, you know, everyone has their strengths and the ensemble is, mm-hmm. is, is, is enhanced by the individual strengths in the ensemble, but the weaknesses are diminished by everyone's strengths, mm. you know, so the, the, you know, so, and then like, if somebody comes up, you know, leaves and somebody comes in, it's that, it's that, that ensemble, that assimilation into this, you know, uh, uh, accentuating the, 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 the strengths and, and diminishing the weaknesses that the, 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 the group does not the individuals. Yeah. That's, you know, I, I talk a lot about that in companies, like how, that's how yeah. you, you oh, lose yeah. employees left and right because you know, you have this, you know, you, you focus solely on a team concept, which is good when you're trying to solve a problem, but in a teams, you know, there's always somebody that matters and somebody that doesn't, you know, when the offense is on the field, they matter. Defense doesn't matter, but an ensemble, everyone matters and everyone's voice and style is embraced. So God, I would have loved to have had a family like that. Jeez. I don't, I, you know, you are, you know, on the front lines of this at this point in your in your life and in your career. What are you seeing that, or I should say, are you seeing anything that you that you know we haven't seen before? What's coming down the pike as it relates to the coming generation who's using drugs and alcohol to cope? Is it the same? No. Uh, well, I think just it's such you know we deal with it so inefficiently i i I think we i think covid gave us an amazing 
opportunity to really evaluate and look at how we do things. And it's not for me, cause I'm, it's funny. I, I come at, you know, I come at this from a, a, a marketing background and B I'm, I've been doing this for 20 years, but as an advocate and a, you know, a motivational speaker, if you will. And all my peers are like these, you have these clinical backgrounds and they're, they're, they're trying to, you know, like we've got this clinical, you know, modality approach mm-hmm. to, you know, the, the cure. And I'm like, you're missing yeah, that's great at a 10,000 foot level, but I'm looking at it from a 30,000 foot level and I'm seeing a, a different picture. And what I'm seeing is, is a lack of, you know, a lack of connection and a lack of empathy. And I think, you mm. know, in the world, and I think that's, I, I look at those two causes and I think, you know, it's one of the things that my brother's taught me is know your audience, mm. you know, and, uh, and, and really speak to that audience. It's not just, you know, you're not delivering a, you know, a clinical solution, you, you know, cause everyone's different. It's, it's like, so I just, I think COVID, you know, what's great was cause the rest of the world all of a sudden felt like what isolation feels like, you know, they, now they understand it. They didn't mm-hmm. like it. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, you know what, there's a whole, you know, huge population of people in our communities that feel like that every day, yep. that, that isolation and lack of connection. You didn't like it for, you know, a summer. So, <laughs> You know, um, maybe maybe we find ways to, you know, to start there. We need to redefine connection. We need to connect better and we need to do it with an empathy of, you know, uh, and that starts obviously for a long time. We've been dealing with, you know, just trying to diminish the stigma of of of, uh, addiction. And um, so start, you know, start with those kind of feelings. And then you're going to start to see some some real some real work, uh, some real, uh, you know, achievement in this area because people want connection you know isolation just was horrible yeah you know very eye-opening yeah so i i see i see opportunities there so i i like to see you know just you know i i i see there's so many there's so many people out there that should be getting help that they can't i, I wish we were better as an industry to you know get people through doors and like and it's like it's it, and everyone's trying to do do everything and it's like Find what you do well and then get really good at it. Mm-hmm. That's what we should be doing. Not just like, let's, you know, it didn't work for Sears when, you know, you could get, you know, a washer dryer tires, your, your IRA, your, <laughs> you know, everything under one roof. Like, you know, we didn't like that. So I, I think it'd be great if we could just find and, and, and just, I see it like a real, we had a discussion this morning about you know recovery homes and how like why isn't that like you know more successful or more you know readily available to to people and because it you know twenty eight day treatment and you're cured no one knows no, no one believes that so like it's some people like, when do, do we start that's even more frightening we, yeah like when do we start so I'm like you want to fill your recover your recovery home okay when are you starting that conversation. Like as they're discharging or like, you know, are you building in what they're, this isn't just, you know, you're, you graduate in 28 days. It's like, this is, this is the rest of your, this is how your life's going to look after this. If you do this right. And it's going to be wonderful, but here's the, here's the stuff. And we'll, you know, we'll process you through this 28 days, but that's just the beginning. And you got to do this, this, you know, know, as I said, Chris went through so many He's 17 uh, programs. Yeah. Yeah. Because, it, it, you know, he started, you know, he started, 
you know, because, you know, we're all manipulators. We know, you know, we're champions of that. So you start out like complying and telling people what they want to hear. And like, I'm doing great. And, you know, it just, that doesn't last long. And so it wasn't until, you know, just, and what, God, when, when Chris, when I saw it, like it, 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 I just saw a different Chris. It was amazing when he, when, when he, he came sober. out, he got sober. It's like his third year, um, at, you know, he, he did a couple of treatment centers, but he finally went back, I think to Hazleton for the second time. And he said, all right, this is my last shot. I mean, I, I think he was, he was, he was saw that, you know, his dream of SNL was going to blow up in his face. So he said he really, he, he, but he got out of there and instead of going back to his nice apartment on Riverside drive, he ended up going for his third year on SNL or maybe his fourth year in, um, to a recovery, you know, recovery home. He was checking in, you know, he's on national television. And then that night he would be in his cot you know, mm-hmm. in the basement of this, of this church, you know, and he did that for a whole season on SNL. And he just, he was working his program and all of a sudden he's dressing better. He's looking mm. better. And the, he, he, just his, his, his performance just went through the roof. It just was amazing what he, what he was doing. And I remember he asked me to go to his third year meeting. You know, it was my, 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 my anniversary and I said, uh, okay, anyway, I'll, I'll come down. You know, where is it? And he gave me this address and it was like, in, like next time I'm in the middle of Hell's Kitchen and I'm like in New York, I'm like, what the hell? Did he, did, like, did, is this a joke? And I like, no, here's the address. And I walk upstairs to this upstairs, second floor room. And it looks like they got every bum from every, the street into the whole neighborhood. And there's Chris in his blazer. His little blazer, his little tweed blazer at the front of the room. And he goes, all right, let's start this meeting. And he's like, and he says, you know, like, you know, I, I woke up just like, I'm just like all of you people. And I'm in the background like, oh, you're really not. But he's like, I'm like, all you people. I woke up this morning, hoping, you know, just praying to God that in my higher power that I could be sober today. And look, look, we did it. You know, we made it. We get, you know, like coffee and cake afterwards This is for the big payoff. And I'm watching him do this meeting and sharing. And, and I'm like, I don't know this kid. This is a totally different. I saw him for the first time that I, I'll never forget that. It was, it was truly amazing. What do you think the longest period of sobriety he had was? Was that the three years? Yeah. And part of that uh, success was because he was on a, on a, you know, a show where he was also meeting, you know, he was, it was very high level of you know his his craft at the highest level he was with just surrounded by professionals and it was every it was monday through saturday and there was something every day and he was and he was showing up every day and he was getting constant affirmation and applause mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and it was just that daily thing it was um you know we like we you know tell us you know some recovering uh, addicts, you know, make your bed every day. Well, for Chris, mm-hmm. that was show up to you know, this dream job and 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 work it and do it. And then, you know, right when it was, you know, really, then it was over. Then he, he, you know, he went to the next level and he went to L.A. and he would have, you know, work his ass off on on a, on a movie and he, and he was always professional and. And so, but then he'd have six months of nothing. Mm, right. And that's when, and, 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 and all the people would show up and come mm-hmm. and offer him stuff. And he, he just, you know, he would go to meetings, but it just was too, it was too hard. And he, and, you know, he started going to 
treatment was, you know, and and it was an industry much like, you know, professional sports. I mean, you're a commodity and they don't care about your, your recovery program. You need to be over here because I just did a deal for you where you make, you know, you know, X amount of money and I get 10% of it. So I don't look go. And otherwise I'm not going to, you know, you're not going to, this isn't going to last long. And so, you know, that's why athletes push their bodies to the point where they're ruined and actors do the same thing. And it's just not a good place for newly recovered people. It's hard. Well, it's hard. I yeah. should say yeah. you really, really have to double down on it and, and uh, be strong and, and, uh, and stay connected to your, to your recovery community. But Chris couldn't, you know, it was just, it, it just so fast. And so it just was. Did you know that he, you know, some people say like, I just knew that he was not going to make it. Did you have, did you know that? You know, I knew that there was that possibility. Right. But like, I, you know, like I went, you know, he had three years. This is how little I knew of this disease is uh, he called me up once. I was living in Connecticut, I think, or maybe no, I, was, I was in Westchester and, um, he said, uh, we're doing a, a um, uh, kind of a, a sneak preview, you know, kind of a, 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 of my of Black Sheep, my second movie. And I knew he wasn't really happy with it. But he goes, we're, we're going out to Jersey and seeing this sneak preview with the sauce. We're going to sit in the back and see the audience reaction. And so I meet him at his hotel in the city. And he's like, and this guy in this big suite. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool, Chris. And uh, he's going to the mini bar, like shoving bottles in his pockets. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he goes, ah, you know, my drivers, you know, the limo drivers, they like to, I like to kind of throw them, mm-hmm. like, you know, all like, and I bought, I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so we go to this thing, we're backstage waiting for the crowds to fill in. And like, like Sherry Lansing was there. Like, you know, it was like high, pre- and like, you know, he was like, he, he, and it was so important. And yet, he goes, yeah, I got to go to the bathroom. I gotta, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm like, I, I do too. So I, we stepped back and it was mm-hmm. just like a one, you know, one, one hitter type thing. And he's like, what are you doing? It's like, dude, we've like, we've, we've been around the, you know, the yeah, yeah, yeah. many times. Like, no, I need my privacy. I'm like, okay. And, you know, and he goes and he stresses out about this movie. And I am like, at the end of the night, I'm like, yeah, I got to get home. So can you car just take me back to, to my place? And, and, uh, Next morning, I, I get this call from my father, like, what did you do? I'm like, what? Like, what happened to Chris? I'm like, I don't know. Well, he trashes, you know, his his uh, his, uh, his suite. And I'm like, oh, you know, he did have bottles of liquor. <laughs> I, I had no idea. Like, right, right. That's what he was doing. And I, right. and more, um, I assume, you know, and because he was so upset and, that, and that's how he took it out. That's how he managed that stress, and then that's how he, he just trashed his place. And and you were supposed to watch that. Was, that's our family, you know. It was your turn to watch him, right, like, right, right. But I, what am I watching for? Like I don't know. Like so, that's how clueless I was, and that's when I knew that he was in the grips of something much, much deeper than our family could handle. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents always said that we're, we're handling this. I'm like, right. yeah, okay, your your brother. Chris, when he, he did a show, right. Or he, he had some appearance and then went out and then your, your brother found him. Did I get that right? That's the beginning to a lot of stories, but what is <laughs> totally. right. I know. Fair, fair enough. The night that he passed, he, Oh yes. Your, I was just your, talking about this with somebody. Yeah. Your, your brother found him. Was, was that a common thing for your brother to go over there or no, it's, 
you know, so this he was in Chicago, and it was he was just right. It was just kind of you know he lived in Chicago, so he came back. He has an apartment in Chicago. He just came in from LA, and my other brothers were there, and we have we have a lot of Chicago friends and a lot of their Second City buddies. So they had what, what we're calling now the Last Supper uh, at a steak joint, and uh, and and Chris was just rubbing up because he knew he had to go home, and you know I you know I didn't think going home was that stressful, but I. I think it was because I, I think is I think he knew you know my parents expected a clean and sober Chris and and he was not there anymore. right so he was stressing about going on but so they were you know drinking you know and again we didn't you know but you we knew he wasn't about, sober at this point yeah yeah so my brothers were all out there and, and then Chris was like you know I'm I'm back in Chicago I got to so he started calling up these people and you think he's calling friends but he's not you know he's calling just just his dealers and this and that. And I think Johnny was just kind of like, you know, I'm not going to do this, you know, 3 a.m. in the, till, you know, 3 a.m. type thing. And he's like, I'm exhausted. I got to go home too. I've been traveling. So he just went home and left Chris, you know, he, sometimes you just, you just couldn't. Yeah. Couldn't hang. You couldn't ride that horse. Yeah. So he's like, all right, you go. And Johnny, it just tears him up to hear him talk about this day. He says, I, I needed sleep. And so, you know, the next day uh, he went to his apartment in, uh, in, uh, in the John Hancock building. That's when, that's when he found him. Yeah. And that was abnormal for him to go over to the apartment. No, no, he was, oh, okay. I don't know. Like, I guess like he, he was had, probably like staying. The, okay. Yeah. But he said, I just got a hotel. I knew Chris was going to either be up all night in his apartment with people coming and going. And so, you know, he said, like, I'm going over to a buddy's house and crash there. And so, yeah, we, you know, yeah, it's just, it, we just felt, you know, that was, it wasn't abnormal for, for us to like, say, you know, I can't do, you know, I'm yeah, going home, right. but usually we were going to the same place. So it was, for some reason, Johnny went to a buddy's house because he, you know, uh, yeah. So when you think back to that and you think back to grieving with the public, is that a weird feeling where you, you're this this moment in your life is a public moment, but it's not? It was a completely public moment and there was nothing we could do about it. Right. But there was people there, you know, that we loved. You know, I was I was at a funeral for a friend of ours last night that we went to summer camp with that, you know, um, uh, took his life. And, you know, oh, we were sorry. And it was, it was, yeah, but we were just talking about, you know, I said, like, this is the way we, you know, but you gotta, you know, gotta don't, this is how this person ended his life, but you don't, you don't leave it, was it there. one you, moment from here, yeah. here, you, 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 it's what you do from this moment on that, you know, kind of is the, is the basis for the relationship you're going to carry. So that's my lesson. I talked a lot about, you know, how to get this family through this. Um, but I said, um, we we talked a little about because a lot of these guys, these our our camp buddies were, you know, they're they're really probably more important to us than than anyone else. Our college buddies, our high school buddies, our work buddies. These these this this group, uh, three generations of Farley man, men have gone through there. So I said, you know what? There was this mob scene we were talking about, like you know, all the helicopters going and all these, you know. And I said, I got to tell you, good boys, you know, it was surreal, but just seeing you there there was a lot of people that were great to see but seeing you guys there just it, it brought it home and it was important you know yeah. so yeah but it was it was it was it was it was really weird it was um to the point where 
yeah, you know, there's, yeah, it was a show, you know. Did you feel like, was there ever any like resentment or anger or feelings about other people being so upset? Uh, No, 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 no. Well, it's a different upset. They're, they're, They're sad that, that this, this person that they knew was a celebrity or they worked with, you know, died, you know, they weren't like family upset, you know, there's some of them, as I said, our camp friends that knew him since he was a kid. I, I that, that was genuine, but everyone else was, yeah, it, you know, cause I saw, you know, as I said, I saw, you know, when I talked earlier about like how my friends, you know, dealt with me, I saw Chris, definitely a lot of his friends were, I'm friends, you know, I went to high school with Chris Farley, you know, I, I, I'm friends mm-hmm. with Chris Farley and they talk about it all the time and I'm like, all right, yeah, you did. So yeah, I, that's kind of what it, that was all about. You know, sad that this person died, and it, but you know, I don't know. I I, I kind of was swept up in that. You know, I'm like, okay, that's where I, I never had a, a brother die, so I didn't know what that felt like. Right. So it's taken me a long time to to kind of kind of deal with that. To to yeah, and and a lot of stuff that comes with it. You know, I was dealing with some of it good, some of it bad. You know, I was speaking at a um overdose awareness event and i was kind of confiding with a friend of mine like you know people that had you know f- you know family and friends and loved ones that had, had overdosed and i'm like and they want me to speak because there's this connection you know that we have but i'm like but it's not i i don't have their experience their experiences you know their loved one died and they grief and they you know that's such a loss and they live that loss all the time they don't have adam sandler writing songs about their lost right. sibling like you know it's my experience with you know my brother dying of an overdose has been completely different yeah at some levels it is completely the same but you know i've had i've been able to deal with you know because we because we were able to talk about the you know, Chris in a different light for 20 years. I, mm. I tell people like my dad died a year after Chris and I would love if people came up to me to this day and like, God, your dad was great. Remember when your dad did this? Cause mm-hmm. you know, he's had just as many stories mm-hmm. as Chris, you know, he was just as loved as Chris, but that grief of dad dying was, is, is now like a lot of most, most common, most people it's now it's just mine. And yeah. I got to kind of, you yeah. know, once in a while it comes up, but every day for 20, over 25, 20 years, people come up to me and talk about Chris and remember we did this and some of it. Yeah. Sorry for your loss, but, but he's as, as, as alive mm. now and people are like, really? He was tw- that was 22 years ago. But my father, my father seems like, you know, 30, you know, it just, yeah, it's it just, that's, cool. yeah. Yeah. What can we do? Those of us who are, who are, you know, in the industry, trying to help people, trying to speak out, what do you think is the best way for those of us who are trying to end the stigma around this topic? Uh, what do you think is going to be the best? I love the fact that we're all out telling our stories. You know, I just, I love that, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it it's so much a part of my you know, treatment and recovery and therapy. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, you know, like, I wish I'd done this a lot longer, sooner. So I, I just think, it, and it's not just, it's not just the stigma, which is, which is critically important that we, why we do this, but it's also, it's just, it's what we need, mm. you know, to recover. Mm. And so, 
to be able to tell people. And again, I always thought like recovery was like telling, uh, like, you know, drunk stories, you know, uh, this is what I used to, this is what I used to be like, but now it's more like, this is what, like, this is what I used to think. And I don't (laughs) think that way anymore. And it's that to me is how that's, that's great. Um, I had this moment with my daughter, she lives in New York. She came home this summer and I was, uh, we were at this uh, restaurant and it was one of these, you know, like, you know, uh, you scan the phone for the menu. It was, you know, you don't have a waitress, you know, I'll seat you. And then somebody will bring your food out. And so she's on her phone. I'm on my phone. And I'm like, I, you know, I got a question like, okay, we're, we've got our menus on our phones, but I want to pay for this lunch. How do I pay for her? Like what she's ordering. Right. I don't, it was just kind of a old man, you know, technology question. <laughs> well, no. And this being Wisconsin, he's being overly nice. If you need paper menus, we'll bring I'm like, I didn't ask for paper menus. I was getting really upset with them for like, you know, being like, just like, don't, don't solve yeah, yeah. my problem. I'm asking you a question. If you've not thought of this, then, you know, please do. And, but I caught my, and like, and I, I was getting really like, oh, and I'm like, you know what? I'll figure this out. And we figured it out. And I was really overly nice to the, or, you know, overly tipped the guy. But I said to my daughter in the middle of the dinner, it's like, yeah, I, you know, I'm really sorry that I just did that, that, you know, trying not to, <laughs> trying not to do that. And she right. goes, dad, when we had those moments, when you were growing, when we were growing up, something like that you would be like that the rest of the day, Mm. you know, that would, you would carry that the rest of the day Mm. and you certainly wouldn't apologize to us for it. So what you just did. Right. I'm like, Oh, you caught that. All right. I'm like, but I was like the fact that you caught that and like, and I was doing all the stuff that I I'm trying to do and part of my recovery. I'm like, God, that's great. You know, know, like that's what this is all about. Yeah. That's what it is all about. And then I saw him again. I, you know, I saw another daughter I'd seen like almost since COVID started and she's out in New York too. And I, and I went out to see them uh, over Labor Day and, and she's like, dad, you look great. Did you lose weight? And I'm like, are you joking? Like not even a nickel's worth. Like, but you look different. And I'm like, you know what? I yeah. can only point to one reason because right. I'm just better, happier. Just, yep. yeah, but that's, that's what this is. That's what you're saying. And yeah. Yeah. they go, well, it's looks good. Uh, that must be, that must be so huge. Uh, huge. Oh yeah. Huge. I mean, it's I know like it's, you know what it was like in my, in my family and I didn't have kids, so I can, and I have kids now I can only imagine how. It's so important to be in recovery and hearing that and people seeing that. So that's, that's, that's that empathy I was talking about. That's that like, mm. like really seeing beyond yourself to other people. And if you like, and for people in recovery, not just to understand it, but also to 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 experience that the people like really see you that, that you matter and care that they care about you is is uh, it, it's it's gold to somebody in recovery. And I don't think the rest of the world knows that, and they should, and we should talk about it because it's going to help them too. Right. Obviously, I love that. I love that. Well, I appreciate your time and everything that you're doing, we need it. And I, I really love that you have a better relationship with Chris today. I think that's really cool. It's really, um, yeah, I mean, really, I that's still, a really neat thing to, to take from a obviously very painful situation. Yeah. You know, cause 
you know, yeah, it's just like because he was, he was, he, yeah, he was an, a, 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 he was a great person that had a lot. You know, they always called us Charlies. You know, we have you know big personalities. You know, which was just, you know like code for like they've got issues. But um, you know, but you know, if I you know, if I can, if I look at Chris that way, I've got to look at myself that way too. Mm, you know, mm. you know, if I can only look at those kind of th- th- right. you know, those things that we bring into it, then I, I I'm cut from the same cloth. So if I want to look at myself in a better light and, and like me, I've got to allow myself to do, do that with Chris and, and uh, kind of, you know, I, 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 I almost kind of hope that I'm kind of doing that for him too. Mm. You know, he's not around to like himself. So I'm happy to do that for him too. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for the work that you do. And, you know, as a mother with young children, it's, it's a scary world out there and I really appreciate it. And I hope that it's even better by the time, you know, my children are questioning, you know, where and what to do. It's got, yeah. As I said, I think, I think COVID gave us an opportunity to understand what connection means and we got to start doing that quickly because that's going to take us places if we can, and it's going to ruin us if we can't. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're doing, we're doing the work. Um, people can, you, you work for Rosecrans, um, yep. and in, in Rockford. So rosecrans.org is where people can find information about you. And then your book is the Chris Farley show and can be purchased anywhere. Books are available. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, are you on social media? Yeah, by sometimes, you know, sometimes, yeah, I'm either on Instagram, you know, Tom Farley too, I think, and on on um, um, Facebook, Mad Mad Farley or, or Twitter, Mad Mad Farley, which stands for Madison, but it could also mean either way, crazy. <laughs> so Mad Farley is kind of my thing, and so, uh, but yeah, I'm, uh, you know, but the, that's as far as my age lets me go. I'm going to leave the Snapchats and the and the yes. TikToks to you know. That would Fair just enough. Be, my kids would just totally zone me. <laughs> oh, I can but I do love that. talking to my like my 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 girls. Like, hey, did you see that TikTok? That like style, like because I saw yeah, it yeah. on like yeah on like, Instagram. What are you doing on TikTok? Yeah. I'm like, I'm just kidding. Yep. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it, and I um I I would love to stay in touch. And Vanessa Vanessa Hur speaks very highly of you, and I've we have a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah and I love I've, having uh, her in town. She's great. And uh, Rose Krantz, I've worked with them on a referral basis for many years and and they're, they're phenomenal. So love the work that you do. Yeah. I'd like to work on their brand a little bit more. They, they're, 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 they're very hospital brand. They, yeah. It helps there. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, Great to see you. Great to, um, that was fun. I really appreciate you having me on. I really appreciate your time. I do. I really, and, and uh, hopefully, you know, I want to make sure that hopefully you you felt like we got to talk about your story and not just you as you know yeah but you know you can't i mean one you know i can't separate the two you know and yeah so this is how you do it and it's great yeah. because every time i talk about chris there's something new comes up that i like i gotta make a note of because i got that issue too you know it's great <laughs> it's, it's right, amazing right. right right it's introspective yeah. yep Awesome. Well, have a wonderful rest of your afternoon or evening where you are and, um, and we'll stay in touch. Awesome. Thanks. This podcast is sponsored by lionrock.life. Lionrock.life is a recovery community offering free online support group meetings, useful recovery information and entertainment. 
Visit www.lionrock.life to view the meeting schedule and find additional resources. Find the joy in recovery at lionrock.life.